This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm on the telephone with Kim Andrew Elliott, KD9XB, and he's the creative force behind shortwave radiogram, which I imagine some of you, maybe many of you, have not heard of. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Steve. Can you explain what is shortwave radiogram? Well, shortwave radiogram is a a weekly shortwave broadcast that's heard on two privately owned shortwave stations in the U.S., and uh, it's a half hour long, and instead of the usual voice and music that you would hear on a shortwave broadcast, you hear the strange noises sounding like, and uh, what that is, uh, is uh, digital modes uh, familiar to some radio amateurs. And so what we have done is just put the, the digital modes of amateur radio on a broadcast, and uh, people around the world can receive those broadcasts decode the text and the images on shortwave radiogram. I was going to ask you if it was just images or images and text. Um, actually, it's probably more text than image. images. The text is really the most important part because that's where the real information is. If, if um, for instance, uh, text by a shortwave digital text should become like a substitute for the Internet, if the Internet gets shut down, the text will be the important part. The, the pictures are nice, but uh, they're kind of like the icing on the cake. Sure. And I seem to recall, Kim, and I could be mistaken, wasn't this called VOA radiogram once upon a time? Yes, that was the predecessor uh, to shortwave radiogram, and that was on some shortwave, uh, VOA shortwave transmitters. Uh, and that went from 2012 until I retired from VOA in 2017. Um, I wanted to keep going uh, uh, on VOA as a contractor, but they they decided not to do that. So um, I the very next week after I retired, I got started on uh, the, the private shortwave station WRMI uh, in Florida as shortwave radiogram. Okay, and I noticed that uh, WINB uh, broadcasted as well? Yes. So that's the other station that transmits the program. And you mentioned a station out of Germany that uh, transmits occasionally also. What is it, the Mighty K or something oh. like that? Well, that's a, a slightly different project. But uh, So the Mighty KBC. KBC. Is, um, uh, right. It's, um, it's a weekly two-hour program of, of oldies music every Saturday night from, um, well, it's zero to to UTC Sunday, that's uh, during the summer, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And uh, it's, a, it's a great program of, of oldies, including some really uh, rare and obscure oldies. Uh, and uh, they let me put on a um, minute of MFSK64 uh, in the middle of the second hour. And what I've been doing lately is transmitting... Um, a black and white picture of one of the old rock stars who happens to have a birthday that weekend. So, 
So that's a little supplement to uh, to what I do on shortwave radiogram. I'm going to play an audio clip, Kim, of a typical introduction to uh, one of your, in this case, I think, MFSK transmissions. From somewhere in the ionosphere, shortwave radiogram, presented by Kim Andrew Elliott. Welcome to program 150 of Shortwave Radiogram. I'm Kim Andrew Elliott in Arlington, Virginia, USA. On Shortwave Radiogram, we transmit digital text and images on an analog shortwave broadcast transmitter. For more information about our project, visit swradiogram.net. That's swradiogram.net. On today's program, text in MFSK32 and MFSK64, news about a 1939 Soviet airplane flight that landed unexpectedly in Canada, amateur observers find the recently launched Iranian satellite, and our images of the week. First, the program preview in MFSK32. That's MFSK32. Which modes do you tend to favor? Uh, are they all strictly MFSK and variations on that? Um, well, you know, in the early days of, of VOA radiogram, we um, we experimented with um, almost all the modes that are available um, to uh, radio amateurs. Uh, uh, the uh, we would compare different modes that had the same transmission speed, like words per minute. And so it was, uh, uh, you know, the Thors and the Dominoes and, and the, uh, the, B, the BPSKs and the QPSKs and everything. But um, after weeks of trial, uh, we found that good old MFSK really was the best. And uh, that MFK, MFSK32 at 120 words per minute, more or less, uh, was the best combination of uh, performance and speed uh, for typical shortwave broadcast conditions. Um, we're, we're doing a lot of MFSK 64 now, which is up to 240 words per minute, um, because usually our signal to target areas is good enough to tolerate the, the 64. So it's usually MFSK 32 and MFSK 64. However, um, occasionally we do experiment with other modes like uh, Olivia 64-2000, that's 64 tones and 2,000 hertz wide, which we can, we can go that wide on a shortwave broadcast channel. And it's very slow. It's only around 25 words per minute, but wow, it's, it's amazingly robust. And occasionally when the program is heard in some really, really distant area with a terrible signal, uh, that mode will decode 100%. I'm not at all surprised. Olivia is one of the best-kept secrets in HF digital amateur radio, I think. It's mm -hmm. been around for years, and many people still don't realize that as a conversational mode, it's one of yes. the best out there. I agree. It's, uh, I've had some great uh, QSOs, uh, conversational QSOs with, with hands. I remember one in, with a Cuban and I used all the words of Spanish I could remember, and uh, it was in a, it was in one of the Olivia modes. Now I notice, and in fact, listeners will hear it in the audio clip. At the beginning, there is a brief sound, for lack of a better word. At the very beginning of the program. Yes. Um, actually, that's a waterfall ID. Uh, ah. It's, it's, it's okay. a picture that that appears. 
it appears on SDR's uh, displays, and it also appears on the uh, waterfall of FL of the FL Digi software that most of the listeners use. And basically, it's just shortwave radiogram with the shortwave radiogram logo to the left. And uh, that was developed by uh, one of our listeners, Mercurus um, SV2HWM, if I've got his call correct, in, in Greece. And he, uh, he developed that for the show, so we always start with that. Okay, and so you just got to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is what sort of software do listeners need to copy either images or text or both? Uh, which seems to be the most uh, popular? Well, the most popular is, is FL Digi, uh, part of the FL Digi suite. Um, it's a, uh, for PCs, I think it works with uh, Windows and, and uh, the, the um, Apple and the uh, Linux. Um, and it's, it's, it's great because it has uh, so many modes that you can use uh, with it. And, um, and it's fairly simple to install. So FL Digi, and it comes from w1hkj.com. And um, so that's what most people use. Now, for PCs, there's another program called uh, MultiPSK. And so that's worth checking out also. And if you want to do it on a mobile device, uh, there's a program, uh, an app for uh, Android devo- devices called AndFL Message. Um, A-N-D-F-L-M-S-G. It's basically an encoder and decoder version of FL Digi for Android devices. And then there's something called TVAR, T-I-V-A-R, text and images uh, via am- uh, analog radio. And that's a reser- receive decode only version of and FL message. Okay. I remember... In the days of VOA radiogram, when I used to monitor, I was using FL Digi at the time, and it was very cool when the MFSK image in this instance would begin, a little window would open up, and I would see this little low-res image slowly painting down my screen. It was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it still works that way, and it's uh, so it's fun to watch, and, and then all those images get collected um, automatically by FL Digi, so you just go to the folder where they are, and you can uh, you can uh, uh, share your results with with other lis- listeners via uh, our Twitter or uh, other outlets. Now I notice you also ask for reception reports, and well, you've always done that. Oh yeah, I love to get the reception reports. I wish I could answer all of them immediately because it's uh, I'm I'm getting a lot of, uh, of contacts from from listeners, but uh, so those can be emailed. Uh, to the show um, at uh, radiogram at verizon.net. And we also have a very active Twitter account, which is at SWRadiogram. And that's where the listeners sort of get together on the weekends while the show is going on. And we can see uh, everyone else's uh, results. Um, There's also a Facebook account that's uh, maintained by a listener in... uh, Florida. And if somebody wanted to see, Kim, the uh, schedule of upcoming transmissions, where would they find that? So that would be at um, the website for Shortwave Radiogram, which is swradiogram.net. That's swradiogram.net. And over on the right side of the uh, homepage, uh, 
if I keep it updated, I sh- uh, sometimes I'm a little slow in doing that, is, is the entire schedule for a shortwave radiogram. And uh, it's transmitted, I think it's about five times uh, a weekend, five or six times. Uh, starts Thursday evening our time in the USA, and the last transmission is uh, Sunday evening our time. They're a lot of fun to, to monitor. I, I've enjoyed it. I do it on a yeah, reasonably regular basis. Well, I'm glad you're tuning in, and it's 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 fun to put together. It, it makes for a very busy Wednesday and Thursday for me um, because I have to I have to select the images that are just right because they have to be pretty small. Otherwise, uh, it would take forever to transmit them. So I need subjects in those pictures that uh, um, uh, are. Um, that fit in a small picture. It has to be one subject rather than a lot of little things. And um, it also gets fuzzy via shortwave often. And, and that actually adds an artistic element to the, uh, to the images, um, turns a photograph into an impressionist painting. So, um, <laughs> uh, and so it takes a while to pick, pick the photographs that are just right for, for shortwave. But, uh, and then there's uh, uh, the, the articles I have to select, and those are usually science involves uh, science subjects. Excellent, perfect for our perfect for our audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate your interest, and uh, I look forward to the podcast. What you just heard is my signal, my CW signal. Nothing unusual about that. If you can copy Morse, you can tell that I'm making a test transmission. That's what all the V's are about. So far, so good. I'm putting about 100 watts into a dipole antenna on 40 meters. So what's the catch? Well, the catch is that you're hearing my signal through a remote receiver. that's located about 1,000 miles from my station. The receiver is attached to the internet, and through that connection, I can not only hear myself, I can control the receive frequency, the mode, the filter bandwidths, and a lot more. With the advent of very inexpensive software-defined radios, such as the so-called stick or dongle receivers, hams have been putting these remote receivers on the air all over the world. Some of the remote receivers that I've seen have consisted of a stick or dongle that's just plugged into an equally inexpensive Raspberry Pi microcomputer or a BeagleBone card or something of that nature, and it has a Wi-Fi link to their local network, and out it goes. Some of these remote receivers have really basic antennas, perhaps just a loop in the attic or a piece of wire trailing outside a bedroom window. Of course, others have more sophisticated antennas. And some have more sophisticated receivers. For example, there is the Kiwi SDR, a software-defined receiver. With the enclosure, costs, oh, about $300. It is a much more sophisticated receiver uh, with many more features. Generally tends to be for HF only. And they are putting them, just like the others, all over the place. In fact, there's a website that aggregates these receivers, in other words, makes them available for you or anybody else to use. It's called the KiwiSDR.com site. And as you might imagine, the web address is simply KiwiSDR.com. And incredibly, this website aggregates about 500 receivers scattered all over the world. 
You can tap into these receivers to listen to amateur radio or anything else within the range that they can hear, including local broadcast radio. Here's some audio from a receiver in Japan. I have no idea what these people are talking about, but it does sound interesting. Of course, like anything else, there is always a downside. Generally speaking, many of these remote receivers are not as sensitive as you're probably used to with your transceiver at home, although the Kiwi SDR units do a pretty darn good job. Again, some also lack effective antennas. So some receivers are in noisy environments, and they're plagued by a lot of local interference. There's also the issue of latency. In my test, the one you heard at the beginning of this segment, there was about a one to a one and a half second delay between the time I'd started transmitting and when I heard my own signal coming back to me through the remote receiver. But even with all these shortcomings, remote receivers are excellent tools, and they're just a lot of fun to use. Here is what HF Amateur Radio sounds like from a European perspective. This is from a receiver in Germany. You may also stumble across some remote receivers that have VHF and UHF capability, and these are particularly interesting because they'll allow you to eavesdrop on local activity, ham and otherwise, that you might not otherwise have access to. Go to some of the remote receiver sites like Kiwi SDR and give it a try. Or if you're so inclined, set one up yourself. One of the great things about operating the digital mode FT8 is the fact that the signal report you receive isn't subjective. It isn't some guy on the other end saying, well, he sounds like his signal is plus 2 dB. Yeah, that's the report I'll give him. No, the report you receive from the other station is an actual measurement of your signal strength made by the WSJTX software. If you get a report of minus 15 dB, it means your signal is 15 dB below the noise as measured within a 2500 Hz bandwidth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I operate FT8, I love going to the PSK Reporter webpage and doing a search to see just who heard me and how well they heard me. PSK Reporter displays all the hits on a colorful map with these little balloons that indicate the stations that received your signal and their reports. If you've never heard of PSK Reporter, try typing it into Google and then check out the site. It's very clever. You can consider PSK Reporter as a kind of information aggregator, I guess. All the folks using WSJTX software and some other programs constantly upload signal reports to PSK Reporter, and the site makes that information available for everyone to see. If your station computer is connected to the internet, all you have to do is turn on the upload function in your software, and it just runs in the background. I often turn on my radio, put it on an FT8 frequency, and just let it sit there and run for hours, constantly uploading reports to PSK Reporter. I'm not transmitting, of course. I'm just listening to everyone else and sharing the information about what I'm hearing. Consider it kind of a service to your fellow hams, I guess. Here's the problem, though. I've noticed that so many hams don't bother to add their antenna information to their WSJTX software. It's great to see their reports of my signal on the PSK Reporter map, but without knowing what kind of antenna system they're using, it really isn't all that useful. Take, for example, a fellow in California who hears my 5-watt signal on 20 meters and uploads a report of plus 2 dB. 
Now that could be impressive for a QRP FT8 transmission from my dipole antenna. But what kind of antenna is he using? It makes a difference. If he's using a Yagi antenna at 100 feet, a plus 2 dB report isn't all that exciting, even in California, the other side of the continent from me. On the other hand, if he was using a magnetic loop antenna in his attic and still hearing me at plus 2 dB, <laughs> now I'm impressed. So consider this a plea, I suppose. If you operate FT8, please go to your WSJTX setup menu, click on the Frequencies tab, and add a very short description of the antenna for each band you operate. Just something short like NFED wire or whatever you're using. Then, when your fellow hams see your report on the PSK reporter map, they'll have a much better idea of how well their signal is really doing. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.